Thank you for downloading the South Everett Foursquare podcast. This is Pastor Chris Pepler, and you have joined us for the second of two vision casting weekends as we head into the fall. You can find us every weekend at the Village on Casino Road at 10.30 a.m. or visit us on our website, southeverett.org. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you soon.
Good job for paying attention. We're going to read it again. We're going to look at it again. This is the second part of a vision cast message entitled More and Growing Leaders Together on Mission. We talked about that last week. If you weren't here last week, I would strongly encourage you to go and listen to the message that we shared last week. It's available on our podcast. I even took my notes from last week and included it in the email I sent out yesterday because this is a lot of content. This is a lot of ideas, and today I'm just warning you, I'm just going to spew it at you. You probably won't capture it all, but I want you to have an idea and a direction of where this congregation is heading. This is the word of Paul to the church at Ephesus in chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle and patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Just rest in that verse for a minute. Verse 7. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions. That's where we're at. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. This is the radical relocation of God. This is God on the move. Verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. That's us. So that the body of Christ, this is why. That's what he did. This is why. So that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity. Still working on that. In the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And this is the additionally why. Why does all that matter? Well, thanks for asking, Paul says, verse 14. Because when we do that, then we will no longer be uh, long, no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth and love, we will grow to become every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him who is the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love 
as each part does its work. God has a plan for us as his church. And it's more than showing up for an hour on Sundays to get our little church point. <laughs> right? So over church points. And yes, it's good to be together, not to get church points, but because wasn't this morning incredible to sit together? That's why. It's not for church points. It's for intimacy with Jesus and each other. So yes, we come together, but not to get points. We come together to be built up so that the body of Christ would be unified and the world would know the love of Christ. That's why. Every good action has a good reason or it's a tradition. We just sung that this morning. Break up the ground of all our traditions. All we're saying is, God, if we are doing things and we don't know why we're doing certain things, maybe we're free to stop doing them. But if we can come up with a good reason why it is that we do what we do, then it's even more powerful because we're aware of what's happening. Right? That's the difference between a tradition and a conviction. A tradition doesn't have a why. Conviction does. So we will continue to grow as a body of Christ that understands what we're called to do and why we're called to do it. That's where we are going as a congregation. There's a good question posed last week, and I didn't fully have the answer to it. Why are we focusing just on apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers? Why are we just focusing right now on the Ephesians gifts? Because Romans 12 has a set of gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12 has a set of gifts, and there's even some gifts in Peter. Why are we focused here? It's a good question. Let me get back to you, because I'm still a student growing also. And so I did my research this week. I actually had a phone call with the person who developed the, the 5Q and the APEST, which is not gospel. It's just a way of helping understand and clarify who God has made us to be. But when I asked that question, they said, thanks for asking What's unique about the APEST gifts is that they are the full representation of who Jesus is. Jesus is an apostle. He is designing and he is creating and sending. Jesus is prophetic. Jesus stands out in the future in front of us and calls us into things. We see that in Ephesians 2 where it says that God has good works prepared for us in advance to do. God is outside of time. And so he prepares things for us and then invites us to come into it. Come and follow me, as he said to Abram a bajillion years ago, and I will show you the land that you're going to. But come, you got to see. Come with me. Let me guide you from the front. He is prophetic. He is evangelistic. Jesus is always telling us how much he loves us. Through every facet of his word, he's telling us how much he loves us. In ways that we can hear and understand. Jesus is the great shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He said he was. Jesus is always protecting. He's always caring. He's always nurturing. He's always leading. He is always guiding. Jesus is our teacher. He's our rabbi. He is the truth. He leads us into hands-on learning opportunities. That's what I love about the way that Jesus disciple people. is to get out of your chair. We're going out there. I had an experience with that. The closest experience I've had to being invited out to learn something in community was in New York City in 2011. I spent a week traveling with a missiologist named Ray Bakke. I told you a little bit about Ray. He grew up in this area, ministered in inner city Chicago for 30 plus years, and then led students on tours of urban contexts in 200 cities around the world. That's all he did. And on his very last one, before he retired, he took 27 students to New York City for seven days, and I got to be with him. 
And so we were staying in this youth hostel on Broadway in 72nd, about a stone's throw from the west edge of Central Park. Like we were just in the city in the fall. It was crisp. It was beautiful. We had 70 degree days, y'all, in early November. And I was just loving it. And I stayed at this hostel. And I went into the classroom. And it's just me and Ray, because I got there early. And Ray's writing something on the board, and I, and I have my light jacket on, and I go to take it off in my backpack, and, and Ray's just standing up at the front writing something. goes, oh, no, 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 don't take your jacket off. We won't be here that long. And I'm like, really? Like, I came to New York for this class. He goes, yeah, but everything that I want you to learn, we have to experience in the city. That's how Jesus taught. He said, no, 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 no. Let's, let's get out there. Let's get out into the streets and see what we find in our interactions. Let's learn. Jesus is the teacher. So what about these other gift sets? It's interesting to see that the Romans 12 set, we won't get into this now, but it makes it very clear in that passage that those gifts are from the Father. And when we look at the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts, it clearly states that they are given by the Spirit. And so we have three different gift sets given by three different persons of the Godhead so that we can step into everything that he has for us. What else is different about the Ephesians set? Why are we starting with this? The Ephesians set describes actual people. It's not a description of activities or manifestations. Take a look at that. Because it is, we are called to maybe prophesy, or we're called to encourage, or we're called to discern, or we're called to do these things. But when Jesus talks to the church in Ephesians 4, he says that I have given you apostles, that's a person, a prophet is a person, evangelist is a person, not evangelism, a shepherd is a person, a teacher is a person. So we start with these personhood gifts, and with the personhood gifts, we add on different manifestations of those gifts. Finally, the gifts of Ephesians 4 result in a singular and unified effect. All those other gifts can be used for all sorts of things all over the place all the time. But the unified effects of Apest, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, is for the building up of the church. It is singular and focused so that the fullness of God might be known. So that's why we start there. I also want to say this as a point right off the bat. These gifts are unlimited. They're not meant to box us in. Because the Holy Spirit won't be boxed in with the way that he gives his gifts. The Son will not be boxed in in the way that he gives his gifts. The Father will not be boxed in. It just allows us to see where are my tendencies? What were the things that God put in me? To box ourselves in would be to say, well, I'm a shepherd evangelist. And so I don't have to worry about being an apostle or a prophet or a teacher. No, we are all of those things. God can use us in whatever place we go in and can use whatever gift he desires to use in a moment. So we cannot disqualify ourselves. Amen. Moses tried. I'm not a speaker. Not a speaker. Not a speaker. <laughs> Others have disqualified themselves over and over. We can't. The fullness of God is available to all of us because of the Holy Spirit. He will give us whatever we need when we need it. And there are just some natural tendencies. When I look and see that my background is shepherd evangelist, that makes sense with the way God wired me. That's okay. All right, that's our biblical teaching. I'm going to give you, and I'll tell you what I'm giving you, is a little bit of cultural commentary. 
I think it's important whenever you stand up on a Sunday morning to teach the word to stop and pause and say, I'm going to tell you about some observations I made as it pertains to the direction that I believe the Lord is leading this fellowship. As our culture changes, and who would recognize that the culture is changing? Anybody? Culture is changing rapidly. I believe that the local church must reconsider how it will posture itself to best display the full measure of Christ to those who don't know him. As the culture changes, we don't change our message. There's a lot of that going on. Let's just water down the gospel. Maybe your truth can be your truth and my truth can be my truth and we can just sing kumbaya and coexist and hug. There's this whole movement that says, well, the Bible is this progressive revelation, and it was true for a time, but as time moves on, the truth sorts to change. There's a lot of that going on right now. Go to UW and ask people what truth is. There's a lot of this going on. Doesn't mean we don't just love people where they are, because we do. But the word of God is truth, because Jesus is the word, and Jesus said, I am the truth, not I have the truth. There's a big difference. Amen. If he has the truth, he can lose it. But if he is the truth, we already saw death couldn't take him down. The word of God never, ever changes. Amen. So we won't change our message, but we will always reconsider our method. Hear the difference. The message never changes. The way we deliver it might have to change. Who woke up this morning and had a whole laundry list of telegrams? Who woke up to a whole mess of telegrams this morning? Nobody. Because the method changed. Not the message. The method changed. So as his people, we have to look at our culture and say... Are we communicating in a way that makes sense for people to understand the love of Jesus? That never changes, but the way that we communicate it might need to change every once in a while. There's this book called Canoeing the Mountains. There's a picture of the cover up here that Zach's going to put up for us, I think. There it is, Canoeing the Mountains by Todd Bolsinger. This is a great book, Christian Leadership in Uncharted Territories. I would suggest that if you are interested in missional activity, you get a copy of this book. It, is a, it, it follows the story of Lewis and Clark in Sacagawea as they made their way from Missouri up the Missouri River up to the Continental Divide, row, row, rowing their boat as happily as they could. But they got all the way up to the Continental Divide and made this assumption that, well, we just row, row, rowed our boat the way up here, and now we're going to row, 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 row our boat down to the Pacific Ocean until they ran into the Rocky Mountains. When they got to that place, said, what got us here won't get us there. Does it devalue the canoe that got them there? No, because it got them there. They just knew that what got them there wouldn't get them to where they were going. They could no longer rely on the fact that they were experts in navigating canoes up rivers. They had to become mountaineers if they were going to complete the journey. What the church is being called into is a season of saying we have to change our approach. We have to know how to minister in different contexts and in different ways because the world is changing. Message is the same. The method has to change. It's a fantastic and very challenging read, but it gives us hope. In the middle of COVID, Katrina and I had a chance to travel to Coeur d'Alene in the, in the fall two years ago. 
Everyone was still wearing masks, but it was the first in-person gathering we'd had for a while, and Dave Veach, our district supervisor at the time, was giving a message, and he started the message talking about basketball in the 1950s. So the rules are pretty much still the same, but if you watched a basketball game from the 1950s, it looks like nothing that you would see today. Because things change, methods change. He goes, basketball doesn't look like anything it did in the 1950s, but surprisingly enough, the church looks a lot like it did in the 1950s. Solely four messages, four songs and a message, and you come and you go and you eat some donuts and you say hi and bye to people and then you go about your lives and you click the church box because you went to church. This is not an irreverent act. But I'm going to do what he did in the spirit in which he did it. Dave each took the Bible that he had forever and he put it on the ground and he put his foot on it. And he said this, we stand on the word of God. And so not irreverently, but we stand on God's word. And he goes, the thing that hasn't changed about basketball is you still can't run down the court with the ball on your shoulder or you're on your, on your arm like you do in a football game. That's a travel. It's still a travel. The rules are the same. The, the, the heartbeat is the same. He goes, but in basketball, what you can do is still pivot. And so he stood on stage and he pivoted. He goes, you can go over here and you can do this over here and you can do this over here and you can go back over here again. As long as you don't pick your foot up off the word, you can do whatever you want. And they're thinking, oh no. If Dave Beach shows up, that's what Dave Beach would do. He would just surprise show up at people's churches on Sunday morning, like the boss of 300 churches would just show up in your congregation. He'd be like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> but I kind of figured if Dave Beach showed up one of those mornings, the question he'd asked is, tell me three ways you've failed trying to reach people with the gospel in new ways. And if you didn't have at least three ways that you'd failed trying, you weren't trying hard enough. You weren't relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to, to allow failure to be okay sometimes. Try stuff. And that was it. That was my defining moment. That was almost two years ago. So what I'm sharing with you is, is deep. I've been processing this and praying about this since I knew most of you, actually. But I feel like it's this time and this season, this is right. Dave Veach has said for a decade, go make a mess. So he tells pastors, lead pastors. He goes, I would rather clean up a mess with you than have to wake the dead. Go make a mess. Try new stuff. Guess what? If you fail, you're a family. We're a family. We stay together. I'm going to go home and decide that it's okay to maybe have church that's different because we're a unique expression that Jesus has planted here. And we don't have to look like Mill Creek. We don't have to look like... The community church across the street, we don't have to look like Bible Baptists. We don't have to look like New Life. We get to look like us because God has made us us in this season. What if we really focused on what it meant to be disciples and what it means to be disciple makers? Like if we really did some headache-wrenching thought about that, we would see that discipleship is a process that often begins before a person makes a commitment to Jesus. Do we believe that? The discipleship process often begins before a person makes a commitment to Jesus. Amen. Nicodemus met Jesus in the dark, a Pharisee, scared to see him in the light. His crucifixion, he stood up for Jesus. He helped anoint his body for burial. It doesn't say Nicodemus became a disciple, but his actions sure presented that he did. But that was a conversation that started before Nicodemus made a decision for Jesus. Mary Magdalene Seven demons were cast out of her before she ever perfumed, poured perfume on anybody's feet. 
before she ever gathered and supported financially the mission of Jesus, she was a woman with demons, and Jesus met her there. Peter, long after he decided to follow Jesus, and by long I mean it could be a couple weeks or six months or a year, I'd have to do more work on that, but it was already the case that Peter was a disciple of Jesus, and Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Oh, you're Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. The confession came after the beginning of the relationship. The thief on the cross. Jesus began that conversation with him as they suffered and agonized and died together. And the one stood up for Jesus and he says, Today, you will be with me in paradise. The conversation started before the relationship. Before the commitment to Jesus. So we have to remember as disciples, as disciple makers, the people that we're engaging in relationship with, Discipleship is a process happening mostly outside of church services. But discipleship is life on life. So it means that we have to share our lives with each other. So as we do discipleship, it happens mostly out of church services. And it happens most of the time outside of church buildings. That's where Jesus spent most of the time with his people. Hey, look, hungry people, you feed them. <laughs> so the implication is this. It is important for the church, when it is gathered... To be considering how it can best prepare itself to be the church when it's scattered throughout the week. We ought not be asking exclusively, how do we get people in here? We did that for a season. That's okay. It's not bad. The attractional church model brought a lot of people to Jesus. I'm not bemoaning it. I'm just saying what got us here isn't going to get us there. So what does it mean if we're not just trying to get people in here all the time? It means we're trying to figure out how to get ourselves out. How to be so committed to the thing that God has called us to in the 9 to 5, like it actually matters. Like it's, I've heard so many people say, I just got to get out of my job so I can come serve Jesus in the church. And I often say, well, that's noble, but I don't think you have to do that. I think Jesus might have strategically put you exactly where you're supposed to be. And you should still come to be with us because isn't wasn't the presence but it's not, that is not for this. This is for that. Does that make sense? We get filled up here. We pause here. We make room for Jesus here so that we can go care for the elderly and the sick in their homes Monday through Friday. Right? We can go and we can landscape the golf course, Mill Creek Country Club, so that we can bring beauty to the world. Right? We can posture ourselves as missionaries in countries we've never actually been to to just encourage the rest of us who are here. You encourage me. Your whole family encourages me, Thomas. Living by faith, moment by moment, waiting to get permission to work in this country. You're an encourager all week long. You play music and let me rant about the Seattle Mariners when they go on two-game losing streaks. Dan was a bus driver in the city of Seattle for years and years and years, taking people to the places where they needed to be. But oftentimes, Dan just sends me an email, sometimes paragraphs long, encouraging me the things that he saw God doing in the life of the church. Yeah, that's what you do. You're coming to get filled up to do that. You go around the room 
What I want to communicate more than anything is it's important for us to know how we're spending our time throughout the week. It's something that I think the local church could have, not should have, that's a shame statement. Could is about conviction. The church could have done a better job of that over the last 30 years. You see, what we've done unintentionally, and we can do this differently, is we've been working to extract people out of their place to support the common vision. The common vision is important. We have one of those. But what also is important is the individual call on the lives of every person in this room. Having led a group of nine people, five of them who are in this room right now, through a unique process, what we found in that little community is, guess what? We know our deepest passions about Jesus and what he's called us to now. So we can come in here on a Sunday morning and encourage one another. I am like waiting with anticipation on the edge of my seat to find out what happens with Nancy's next 90-day goal. I wake up thinking, oh, I wonder what's going on with Nancy and that thing that she's pursuing. I literally do this because I know. I have an idea where Mark wants to be in five years. He has an idea where I want to be. As we begin to discover those things about one another, guess what? This becomes a really dynamic, deeply dynamic thing that you can't actually just watch online. You have to participate. Not just how do we get people in here, and if people want to come, fine, we'll clear the way. That's Lorraine's job. Lorraine keeps bringing people up in here every week to experience the love of Jesus. That is not wrong. We're not saying stop doing that. We're just saying, what else can we do? So while we're here together, we talk with Jesus together through prayer, through songs and moments of silence like we experienced today. We're learning from Jesus through his word, and we're discovering our identity and our purpose in a way that is both knowable and nameable. This is the vision. This is what God is calling us to, because becoming more aware of who God has made each of us to be and what he's calling us to do matters. I hope it makes your imagination spin. I hope you lose some sleep about it tonight. Not anxious sleep, but anticipatory sleep. You just, God, what would you want to do with my life next? For your glory and your purpose. And how do I support what someone else wants to do with their life? What if South Everett spent our Sundays actively preparing for the week even more than we spent the week actively preparing for Sundays? Next question. What if we truly understood each other's purpose and calling outside of this gathering and spurred each other on towards the pursuit of that calling? Three, what if the gathered church was an identity and purpose discovery center? Four, what if the gathered church was a place of preparation so we could be the truest expression of the scattered church? Because when we discover our purpose and our identity through prayer, through praise, through his word, and through conversation, and through service, we really figure it out. My dream for this place is that within the next 18 months to two years, everyone is so dialed in on their purpose and the reason why God put them in a place that they're ready to run out the door and do something about it. You can have a lot solid understanding of your purpose because Jesus says that he has prepared good works for you to do in advance. We have five core values at South Ever Foursquare Church. Some of you are aware of this, some of you aren't. We haven't talked about it since most of you have been here, so it would make sense you hadn't heard these things. Sacred relationships. These are the things we value most. These are the things that when important decisions are being made about the life of the church, we consult this list to make sure we're on point. Because this is what we believe the Lord gave us, and it's all backed by Scripture. 
We are committed to healthy, vibrant, and family-centered relationships both with God and others. For sake of time, I'm going to let you read the subparts of this. Courageous belief. We are bold in our belief that the gospel transforms lives. Value number three, and these are in no particular order. Neighborhood and city. As South Everett Foursquare missionaries, we serve as agents of shalom, that is peace, seeking the welfare of our neighborhoods and cities. Diversity of people. We seek the development of a diverse congregation reflecting the diversity of our community. Diversity is kind of a buzzword, so I will read this. We value a culture that is informed and influenced by a multitude of ages, ethnicities, socioeconomic, educational, political, and experiential backgrounds. When we're talking about diversity, that's what we mean. Signs and wonders. We believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those come with further descriptions, and each has five behaviors that go along with it. I can send that to you if you'd like it. But what was interesting was this was that this diversity of people thing sounded a lot like the apostolic presence of Jesus. Because diversity doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> you know what happens by accident or just by being lazy? Is you end up with people that look like you, think like you, drive like you, eat like you, root like you. It's just, we, unless we are intentional, we will just kind of settle into things that are exactly like us. Social media is helping to push that process forward. Diversity doesn't happen by accident. We don't stumble into it. Diversity is an intentional pursuit, often in uncharted and undeveloped contexts. So we are apostolic in our pursuit of diversity. Signs and wonders. That sounds a lot like prophetic. Beyond our own plan, we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Beyond our own strength, we need to see God move in miraculous ways. Neighborhood and city. I'm like, God, oh, that sounds like evangelism. Lord, this is cool. Like You've set this up for us already. We're deeply committed to what happens outside of our gathering and the place that God has set us, both corporately and individually. Sacred relationships. That sounds like shepherding. Families love each other without condition and through seasons of conflict and miscommunication. We lay our lives down for each other. Courageous belief. That is teaching. In a culture full of compromise, watered-down philosophies, and half-biblical truths, we need to courageously stand on and teach God's word. When I think about who God has called us to be, this is what I think about. This is a prophetic dream that I want us to be leaning into. This is something the Lord gave me on March 8th, 2022. I've been praying with it. I've been wrestling with it. I've shared it with the leadership team. I've shared it with coaches. I've shared it with the leadership development group of our denomination. God's doing a new thing. This is my prophetic prayer. Because I'm working on being prophetic. South Everett Foursquare Church is a sending church. She is an academy church. She is a training church. She is an aircraft carrier designed to catch and release, to refuel and relaunch. Every ship needs a ship's company. That's the team that runs the carrier to refuel and relaunch aircrafts for their missions. What if we expected those who come as a part of our fellowship to be sent from our fellowship as often as they stay? Here's the hard question. How do we hold people like they belong to Jesus and not to us? Fully embracing people yet always holding them with open hands is hard, but it's right and good. 
At South River Foursquare, we are stewards of people and purpose. We know the difference between a person leaving and a person being sent from the local body. Processing the grief of someone leaving is drastically different than celebrating the victory connected to someone being launched. As a launching church, we aren't believing people, we are birthing them. South Everett is not a catch-to-keep church, it's a catch-to-release church. The church, she is his bride, not our bride. We are his bride. South Everett is a living, breathing bride. She breathes in and breathes out. Think about this for a minute, but with every breath in, there must be another breath out on the other side and exhale. If we are inhaling without exhaling, we lose consciousness, right? So Chris Norby asked me this terrifying question. I just didn't love it at all. What if a year from now, he asked me six months ago, what if a year from now South Everett Foursquare was 22 people again because we were obedient to do what God called us to do? Not wishing that upon us, but what if? Could that be success? How big's your church? Well, 22 people right now. How many did you send? 100? Oh, different metrics, different methods, same message. The church, a church focused on discipleship, doesn't care about fame, fortune, size, or recognition. It cares about the purpose, the call, the dream, the gift that brings recognition to the person of Jesus. We desire to be a people who believe with our actions more than our words that the church is really the bride of Christ, not the bride of man. It's okay if South River Foursquare Church never eclipses 100 people as long as it isn't the same 100 people for 100 years. We must ask ourselves, what is our track record of sending those who come with a strong experiential grasp of what sentness is? Maybe someday we'll be a church of a thousand, but only because a thousand had been sent from the deck of our carrier, breathed out as an exhale. That's the vision. What gets me excited this morning, I was having a hard time just worshiping Jesus because I just wanted to look at this room full of people because I get really excited about who God brought to be a part of this for this snapshot in time. We'll always be family. The family continues to grow because we have had simultaneous transformative experiences as South Ever Foursquare in this season. Amen? More and growing leaders together on mission. That's the mission of the Foursquare gospel in this season. And for us, like I said last week, when, when Chris Norby asked me what's the vision for the fall, and we talked about the picture of all those kids from the neighborhood and all the people in our church running around out there, I said, I don't know, more of this. More of what, whatever God was doing deep in the spirit this morning. When Zach said, can we do that some more? <laughs> that. But the questions I want us asking each other, there's one more slide I think to put up there, Zach, if you could. I want, I want you to email me this week. This is, a, this is a project. You can just reply to the email I sent you the other day. Where are you learning, working, serving, playing away from Sunday mornings? What's true about your life that you would want us to know? And then secondly, what are you most passionate about? You share that here now, but the hope would be, what if we walked into this room and just knew a thousand people's passions, except some of them had already been sent. So there's like 80 people in a room. But we knew each other's passions. Tell me about your church. Oh, let me tell you about the people. And tell stories, good stories about each other and the things that we're pursuing. And then, when we figure out how to dream well, guess who that's for? It's for the neighborhood. 
As we learn how to dream, this congregation exists to breathe life on the dreams of people who are in this community. We're going to figure this out. We're going to invite other people into it. And we're going to pursue Jesus together and the calling us on our lives. Amen? Amen? Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the extra time to worship and sit at your feet. Lord, thank you for a vision that you've given us. Lord, this is part of it. It's going to be fleshed out as everyone else in here contributes to it. It's a, it's a remarkable story that you're writing. And we just want to be a part of it, Lord. We want to be obedient today. We want to surrender the outcomes to you, God. We give up our timeline. We give up exactly how we think it needs to be. We just want to be obedient and rest in that. And you will take care of the rest. So we present all of this to you, Lord. I present, we present ourselves as your bride today, Lord, as we are the gathered church this morning. We are the scattered church this afternoon and throughout the week. Breathe your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord. Empower the things that you've called us to the people that we're in relationship with, the discipleship work that's happening outside of here. God, we ask that you would continue that on to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 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 All right, go forth.